Amen. As you sit down, please open up your Bibles to the book of Psalm 19. If you're there, say, I got it. Okay, let's read. Let's listen with our ears, please. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, or the expansive sky, shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Again, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, or the expansive sky, shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their verse is not heard. David is writing this psalm. David is a poet. And he is poetically describing what Genesis describes. God created everything. The expanse of sky, all of the hosts of heavens show the glory of God. Day unto day is talking. It utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. God intended that each night when the stars would come out and the moon would be there, that we would look up to the sky and wonder, what's beyond this place? What's beyond this earth? Could it be that God has given our universe to us not to uh, defy him, but to lead us towards him? See, many people believe that as they study the universe and as they study uh, science that it leads them away from God, but that's not true. That's not true. We've been talking about creation here for the past uh, two times that I've been with you. This is the second time. And we have really been studying apologetics, which is defending your faith. But before you can ever defend your faith out there, in school and in work someday, you have to know what you believe. You have been, how many of you go to public school here? Okay. So for those of you who go to public school or have ever gone to public school, from the time you can understand how to talk, they teach you the idea of Darwinian evolution. And the basic premise of Darwinian evolution is that the origin of species goes back to one single cell organism. Everything that ever existed, any species that ever existed had come from one single celled organism. And tonight we're going to begin to look at the evidence because the Bible says right here, the heavens show forth the glory of God. The firmament of sky, what the expanse of sky shows forth his handiwork. Day unto day, unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. How many of you like to write poetry? Does anyone? I loved writing poetry. I still do. You have to read this like a poet is writing it. David is giving us a poetical expression that God is the creator of the universe that we're in. So tonight, I want to begin to talk to you about evidence. But before we do that, let me ask you, what is the purpose of evidence? What's evidence for? To prove something? Good. That's basically it. We'll just say that evidence is to prove something. Absolutely. I, 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 you're absolutely right. Evidence is supposed to persuade you towards the truth, which is basically proving something. Okay? Now, I want to take you into a court of law for a little bit. I studied criminal justice. I love the idea of criminal justice. I love the idea of law. And what I want to do, and this is going to be shocking to me because I lived through it and I'm sure that you were born during this time, but has anyone ever heard of O.J. Simpson? Do you at all remember the O.J. Simpson trial? Who was born the year that the trial, 1996? Any... That is so scary. <laughs> well, yeah. You were alive? How old were you? Oh, two? Okay. All right. Well, here's the deal. The basic premise is uh, Nicole, I mean, see, O.J. Simpson's ex-wife and her boyfriend were murdered in her house. Now, 
I want to bring you to that trial because I want to talk to you about evidence. I want to make an example for you. Here, here we go. Just follow me for a second. In a criminal case, there are two parties. The first is the, very good, the prosecution. <laughs> very good. A civil case, Matthew, a civil case would be the plaintiff. Okay. In a criminal case, you have the prosecution and you have the defense. The defense never changes. It's always a defense. Good job. Good job. You have the prosecution and you have the defense. Watch this now. The burden of proof, which means the responsibility, lies on the prosecution to prove what happens. So when you go into a criminal case, if you ever get called for jury duty, it's the job and the responsibility of the prosecution to prove to the jury these are the facts and this is what happened. So the prosecution will bring forth what's called evidence to persuade the jury that this is what happened. Well, let's go back to the O.J. Simpson case. One of the most famous examples of the O.J. Simpson trial, the evidence that the prosecution brought forth, the, the prosecution said, we've got this we've got this slam dunk evidence, two pieces of slam dunk evidence. We got the knife from the murder scene and we got the glove with the blood on it. They said, if we bring this forward, it's a slam dunk, we'll convict this guy. How many of you know, was O.J. Simpson convicted? No, he wasn't. Okay. I'm talking to a generation that has no idea about this. It's very, very weird. But follow me now. So the, the prosecution said, if we bring forward this evidence, we'll get this guy convicted. Well, one of the most famous scenes from the trial that was highly publicized all over the United States was this image of O.J. Simpson trying to put the glove on. Who's old enough to actually remember that image? Yeah, okay, just three of us here. Wonderful, me and Mr. Willie. And, but he... He's making, what, what the defense is doing is making a mockery. He said, oh, I can't fit the glove. And if you, there's a lot of jokes today that you may not get because the glove doesn't fit is the famous line from the O.J. Simpson trial. So if you've ever heard that catchphrase, that's what it's talking about. And what I want you to see from that is that the defense, they, they didn't know how to deal with that, that evidence. They didn't know how to deal with that evidence because it was such astounding evidence that it could have convicted him. So the defense had to come up with a plan to reconstruct the truth in the mind of the jury. And so what they did was they showed that the glove didn't fit, and they basically made a mockery of the evidence. Friends, that's what's going on right now with modern science. Modern science has showed up on the scene and says, listen, D Darwinian evolution, as it was originally believed, does not fit into what science is telling us today. And all the Darwinian evolutionists can say is, that's stupid. You're just trying to get religion into school. That's stupid. You're just trying to get God back into the school. You see, it's the same type of thing. They're just making a mockery of the evidence. But you have to be wise enough to see through that. You see, those of you who go to public school, from the time you're, you're able to read and understand, much of what they're teaching you is based on Darwinian evolution. And I have a shocker for you. You cannot be a child of God and align yourself with evolution. You say, that is bold, Mr. Kurt. You cannot be a Christian and align yourself with evolution. Now, God can give you time to understand that, but here's what I mean by that. Evolution, by its very nature, removes the idea of God so there's no way that a Christian can remain a Christian and still believe in evolution. 
The Bible refutes the idea of evolution. We're going to see that tonight. And so it's really important for you as Christians, if you're going to bear the mark of a Christian, if you're not going to just put on your coat when you come to church, but you really want to be a child of God, then you've got to learn to you know, understand what it is that you believe. And there are a lot of questions out there. And the first thing that I want to say to you is the same thing I always say to you. Just because you have a question, just because you don't understand something, don't quit on your faith. Just because you heard in the news that they found bones that, that show us that cavemen existed and they were the, the predecessor to the human that we have, the hominid that exists, just because you hear stuff like that and read stuff like that, don't, don't throw out your faith, okay? Because God is faithful. And, and what you're about to see is that this word can stand the test and the scrutiny. So here's the thing that I want to share with you. Just follow me for a couple minutes and I'll give you some evidence. How many of you ever heard a phrase like this? Sometimes you just have to believe, or sometimes you just have to have faith. Have you ever heard that? All right, brace yourself. Christians have been cowards for years. For years, Christians, as Christians, we've been cowards. We, 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 we don't want to get into the idea of evidence, and we, we think that God's word can't handle it. So we say, oh, well, I don't know, I just believe, or I don't know, I just have faith, and we kind of we cower away. And so the world has owned us for a while, but science is revealing that there's far more evidence that points towards an intelligent designer, as they call it, that we see as the creator. What I want you to see is that too many times we may not understand something or why it happens, but as I said, you can't just hang up your faith. You can't just quit. Listen, if somebody dies unexpectedly, it's okay to say, I don't have an explanation for that. If I can't handle that. I don't, I don't know why they just died, you know. But when it comes to something that can be proven, we need to say, no, there's evidence out there. There is real evidence that's out there. And so I want you to flip over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 120, please. I'm getting a little ahead of myself in my thought process here. Romans 1.20, when you get there, say, I got it. The idea that you just have to have faith or the idea that you don't know why but you just believe is called blind faith. God is not a God of blind faith. How do I know that? Because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as a visual display of God's character. God said, oh man, those humans, they're not getting it. Let me show them who I am. God went through Jesus to the sick and made them well. God went to the tomb and raised the dead, raised Lazarus who was in the tomb. God showed his character, his loving kindness, and his power. He demonstrated it. That is evidence. As Christians, we shouldn't just back down because somebody says, this is what science says. We should not just be spoon-fed everything. We need to think about what we're being told. If I was to give you an illustration, this is the way that most of us sit in school. Let me borrow this chair real quick, Debbie. This is the way most of us sit in school. This is, just, just follow me for a second. The, imagine that your teacher is feeding you. This is you. We don't even take time. We don't, and even in church, we don't take time to chew and to process what we're being given. We just receive and accept. It's like, it's, imagine if you tried to do all your food that way. What's going to happen to you? You're going to die. But that's the way we are in school. That's the best illustration that I can give you because that's the way that we are. We don't think for ourselves. 
Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in the message translation, don't just fit into the world without even thinking about it. Many of us in school are just getting spoon-fed and we're not even thinking about it. Are you in Romans 1.20? Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes and qualities have been clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that men are without excuse. Earlier before that, it says that evidence for creation is so obvious, but men suppress the evidence. And I want to challenge your thought process here. All of the discoveries that we have, all of the inventions that we have, have come from people challenging the norm, challenging ideas. I'm telling you tonight, even what you hear from this pulpit, put it to the test. Challenge what you hear. Don't just receive what I'm telling you, but put it to the test because it's not my word, it's God's word. And Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before one stroke of the letter of his word will ever fail. So don't take my word for it, put it to the test. When you're sitting in the classroom, don't take that word for it. Challenge the idea respectfully. I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm saying challenge the idea. Many of us are wishy-washy Christians because we get what we get from school, and then we try to come into church, and we try to match the two together. But here's the truth. I've lived it, and I've been there, and I realized there's only one way, and what the world is teaching is not the way, and what the world teaches in science is not the way. All the discoveries and the inventions that we have are a result of people challenging normal ideas. What if Thomas Edison time-traveled a hundred years before he existed? Follow me. Thomas Edison goes back a hundred years before he existed, and he comes into this culture, and he says, hey, guys, what I'm trying to do is capture light inside of a glass ball. I'm trying to capture light and put it in a glass ball. They would have called up the local mental institution and said, we got a loony here. Come pick him up. Follow me for a second. Thomas Edison had a vision that he could capture light and put it in a glass ball. Thomas Edison failed over a hundred times, but that one time happened where because he challenged normal ideas, he was able to capture light and put it in a glass ball. And we now have these light bulbs today. Technology is another great example of people challenging the norm. You're not old enough to remember this, but I was there when we got our first home computer. And I was there at the dawn of the internet. You know, like, you don't know anything about that. And I don't know anything about what my parents experienced in the 1960s. They were called supercomputers. Nobody owned a computer. They were, su- they were the size of this room. They're in museums right now. They're called supercomputers, Okay. You didn't own a personal computer, but because somebody challenged the idea, we now have home computers. And Steve Jobs, because he said, oh, a home computer is not enough. Let me get a computer right in your hands. 20, 30 years ago, if they said, hey, the, the way of the future is a computer right in your hand, they would have said, you're crazy, man. But look at you. Half of you in this room are using computers in your hand right now. All of the discoveries and all the inventions we have are a result of people challenging normal ideas. That's where science is today. Listen, science by its very definition 
is always changing. It's always changing. So it was wrong for Charles Darwin to start an entire theory and teach it to people. Well, it wasn't even him, but it was after he passed away. His whole idea of the origin of species was taught as fact in the schoolroom, even though it was merely a theory. You and I, we we can't just sit here and accept it. We have to challenge the normal idea. You say, how can we do that, Mr. Kurt? I'm going to give you some evidence. But the final thing I want to share with you in terms of challenging the norm is modern medicine. 150 years ago, if you said that when somebody had an amputation, they'd be able to have a robotic or a prosthetic arm, people would say, you're crazy. That's robotics. That's crazy. You and I, we're just beneficiaries of all this stuff that people have challenged popular ideas. Why are we just sitting around accepting that evolution is the idea when modern science is telling us there's something bigger out there? You are the ones that are going to make it happen. You and I. So let's look at the evidence. I've got three areas of evidence. You need to write this down any way possible. Write it on your head. Write it on your hand. Write it, write it down somewhere. I've got three main areas of evidence that I want to share with you tonight. And listen, I am by no means a scientist, okay? I failed a lot of science classes. I never really cared for science. But I want to share some things with you tonight. Modern science is now discovering or finding, making more discoveries that point towards a creator than ever before. You are living in an age when modern science is saying there has got to be a creator, an intelligent designer out there. One of the first pieces of evidence that is so obvious is fossils, fossil records. The idea of Darwinian evolution basically says that all species come from one single cell organism that continue to mutate and continue to change. Now, if that's true, shouldn't there be a record of some transitional beings? Shouldn't there be a record of some transitional beings? Do you, under, do you understand what I'm saying? You follow me? If, if, shouldn't there be a record, a fossil record of some, something in the midst of mutation? If we have all these fossil records, shouldn't there be some type of record of something in the middle of mutation? There should. If Darwinian evolution is true, there should be fossil records that show something in the midst of an evolution process. But here's the truth. All the fossils that have been discovered show creatures that are complete, creatures that are intact, and creatures that are complex in their structure. So you don't find any, um, how could I say this? You don't find any half fish, half amoebas. You don't find any, in contrary to popular belief, you don't find any half ape, half humans. I'm telling you, they have this idea of a hominid out there, and they're trying to teach you that this is the species that was part of the evolutionary process of man. You see, evolutionary scientists know this, which is why they're looking for fossils that will have the transitional beings, because if they get that, then they can stand by evolution. No fossils to date have anything that represent a transitional being. So your first piece of evidence is fossil records. One of the most uh, uh, um, important important pieces of evidence in the idea of creation versus evolution. The second thing is cosmology, not cosmetology, but cosmology. Cosmetology is the application of makeup. Cosmology 
is the study of the cosmos or the universe. This is pretty cool here. I shared this with you last time, but I have even more information now. Scientists and researchers have discovered that the universe has a beginning point. The universe has a beginning point. In other words, there's this one point in the universe from which everything shoots out. That's what they've discovered. This one point in space from which everything shoots out. Scientists have discovered this. So cosmology is showing that. And, and, and basically what that says is that if there's one point from which everything begins, then if something began, something or someone must have caused it to begin or caused it to start. And so cosmology, as they study the universe, the scientists are saying, wait a minute, if everything happened from an accident, we wouldn't have this one point from which everything is continuing to expand. So imagine in your mind that you're watching this video, and in this video, you're, you're, you're going backwards and backwards and backwards, and you, you, see, you see everything expanding, 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 but then hit rewind, hit rewind on the video, and what happens is you shrink everything back to a single point from which everything began. And that's what I showed you last time. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. There's one point in the universe from which everything begins. And science tells us that if something has a beginning, if you can prove something has a beginning, then you can say that something or someone caused it to begin. So there's some great evidence right there. Another piece of evidence, although they're looking right now, is... Earth is the only planet that is inhabitable. Earth is the only planet that is inhabitable. How many of you believe in aliens? Don't lie. How many of you actually believe in aliens? Any closet alien believers in the room? No? You're not going to tell me even if you were. But Earth is the only planet that can sustain life. If you research where Earth is within our universe, or research where it is within our, our galaxy, it's the only planet that can sustain life. They're out there right now trying to see if life can be sustained on Mars, but they're going to find out that it couldn't. Maybe, maybe single organisms or tiny little creatures or tiny little you know, molecules, but not a sustainable creature like a human. I shared this with you last time. If we were a little bit too closer to the sun, we'd burn. If we farther away from the sun, we'd freeze. If the gravitational pull was just a fraction more, we'd all be pressed to the ground. And if it was a fraction less, we'd all be elevated and floating through our lives, accomplishing nothing. My, my question is, how do we look at things like this and say, ah, that just happened by accident? How do you look at the complex structure and say that that happened by accident? So the first thing that we have is fossil record. The next thing that we have is cosmology. And I know that this is big, but I just want to give you some stuff tonight, okay? Fossil record. The next thing, cosmology. The next thing is molecular biology. These sound like real good words, and don't think I know a lot of what I'm talking about. I really don't, because I never really did well in science, but I do understand a little bit that I'm teaching you. Molecular. M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-M-O-L-E-C-
The last piece of evidence is so astounding. Molecular biology. Has everyone heard of the cell? You know how your body is made up of many cells? Okay, listen to this most astounding point. The science that you're taught in your classroom, Darwinian evolution, based on Charles Darwin. Here's what I want to tell you. The seventh grade science that you take, you, in the 21st century, learn more about the cellular structure than Charles Darwin ever knew. Charles Darwin, the one who hypothesized and founded the idea of evolution, you, in your seventh grade biology class, in your ninth grade biology class, learn more about the cell than he ever knew. How do I know that? Because as I told you in the beginning, science by its very definition is constantly changing. Charles Darwin didn't have the technology that we have to be able to go and look at the molecular breakdown of one single cell. He didn't have the capability to look at the cell under a microscope and create all those diagrams through the computer like we have today. So you actually right now understand with your limited knowledge, if you did science like I did, your limited knowledge, with your limited knowledge right now, you have more of an understanding of the cell than Charles Darwin ever did. And it's very interesting because he basically said in his book, The Origin of Species, Charles Darwin basically said, I'll read the full quote to you, but I want to give you the the main point. He said, if the idea could be proven that an, an, an organism cannot be created by simple mutations, then my entire theory would be out the window. His entire theory of evolution, if it could be proven that it couldn't happen, simple mutations, the whole theory would be out the window. Here we are, a hundred or so years later, and guess what we have found? Not only do we understand more about the cell than Charles Darwin ever did, but his whole idea doesn't work. When they separate cells and try to see if they recreate new ones to create a new species, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Here's the direct quote from Charles Darwin. This is what he said. In The Origin of Species, which is his most famous book, quote, If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Modern science has shown that exactly what he said cannot happen. And do you know why this is so big to me? Because right now in our public school system, even though Modern science and the evidence is pointing towards this truth, a designer, a creator. They're still teaching the idea of evolution in your public school systems. Why? That's my final question for you tonight. Why? You see, could it be that the world doesn't want God to exist? Could it be that the world doesn't want a creator to be out there? Some evolutionary scientists have, would rather say that aliens put life on the planet than God put life on the planet. I think the very idea that you have to prove so hard that something doesn't exist really proves that it does exist. Don't take my word for it. This is the, this is the evidence that modern science has revealed to us. And basically tonight, I, I just want to really encourage you to challenge the norm Challenge the ideas that you're being spoon-fed. Don't just fit into your culture without even thinking about it. God is raising up a generation, a generation of believers who know him and know his voice. Are you going to be part of that generation, or are you going to fall into the crowd out there? 
I really thought that I could just slip through and just do whatever, but God is calling us to a higher level, and we've got to rise to that level. Would you stand to your feet with me tonight and just bow your heads and close your eyes?